up the radio waves as we begin to burn it up. We all up in your area like landscape, definitely bringing you the power slam and pancakes. It's the mandate that you tune in. It's time to move out so we can move in and recognize that this is no illusion. I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion. It all started off in the book of Genesis when Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis. And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him, he touched his hip but he really couldn't devoured him. And from that point, then we hear a name change, rearrange the game, so now we gotta change. Uh, so I'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the Pancake and Power Slam show. Let's go! Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam. Turn it up, turn it up. It's the Pancake and Power Slam show. Uh. Turn it up. Episode 150, ladies and gentlemen, it is here, it is live, and it's in living color, getting funky like a monkey, if you will, you know how we do, Pancakes and Power Slam Show, thank you everyone for continuing to support the Pancakes and Power Slam Show, 150 episodes, ladies and gentlemen, this is an absolutely amazing, amazing feat to go 150 weeks without one, without missing one, and having a amazing show every single week, filled with your comments, filled with your uh, with with your commentary, and of course uh, the commentary of the Pancakes and Power Slams uh, hosts. And ladies and gentlemen, of course you know I am Chris Featherstone, and this episode is going to be something special. It's really, really, really going to be something special to honor 150 episodes. We have the man in the house. Well, probably his house, but we have the man in the house. I'm so honored. I'm so uh, thankful and grateful to introduce our guest host for tonight, former WWE star J.T. G. Yo, 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 yo. Good evening, sir. How are you? How are you doing today? Can you hear me? I can, absolutely. Can you hear me? Absolutely. 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 You are okay. live and in living color, sir. Yes, it's your boy JTG, a.k.a. Slice Man in Entertainment, <laughs> a.k.a. Uh, what else? Future Hall of Famer. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely, man. It's 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 so good to have you on the show tonight, man. No problem. Congratulations to your 150th uh, episode. Glad to it's an honor to be on it. Thank you, thank you so much. Well, uh, before we get into wrestling, let's uh, let, let's get into some some current stuff like like the NCAA basketball tournament. So, who do you like in the NCAA basketball? Tournament well coming up here uh, in a few weeks with March Madness. Who do you think's going to win, and why? And if you say Kentucky, we're already going to be at odds. Ah oh, damn! Well, I'll 
<laughs> this, was, this is my honest answer. Growing up as a kid, I didn't watch any sports. That's a very disappointing answer. I didn't watch basketball. I didn't watch football. Didn't watch hockey. Didn't watch golf. All I did was watch professional wrestling growing up. So sports, mm-hmm. I hate when people ask me that. I'm a big guy. Every time someone, um, they're looking for the game, they always nudge me. Hey, you look like a sports guy. You know what, you know what the score is or what team are you rooting for? And I was like, ah, I don't watch football. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't watch basketball. So, and I was, and, and I was going to say Kentucky. I was going to say Kentucky because I lived in Kentucky for about five years, um, mm-hmm. training in Louisville uh, at OVW. So I was going to say Kentucky because I have yep. some type of uh, relation with, with that, with that, with that um, state. But since we're going to be at odds, I don't want to say Kentucky anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You could, you could, you Kentucky's cool. Kentucky's undefeated, and they're uh, the number one team in the nation. And you know, I can understand why someone could say Kentucky. I'm a, I'm a huge Duke fan, honestly. Okay. I've been, a, I've been a Duke fan. Yeah, I've been, I've been a Duke fan since uh, 1990, actually. So I'm celebrating my 25th year as a Duke fan. How about that? I was a big fan when, uh, when, when Christian Leitner and. Bobby Hurley and Grant Hill and all them cats that you probably don't know because you didn't watch. No, have no you didn't idea. watch sports when you were a kid. So, <laughs> I mean, I watch. I watch the Super Bowl. I watch. Uh, I watch the um, the NBA playoffs. I, I like. What everybody's gonna be talking about? I watch, but during the the rest of the season, it's like, eh, it's too. It's, uh, it's unnecessary yeah. stress. The team don't win. Mess it ruin your whole day. It's like I don't need that. I don't need that unnecessary stress in my life right now. I got enough stuff to worry about. <laughs> You know what, man? I agree with that. I agree because I'm 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 a huge Ohio State fan. I love sports. I write for the Bleach Report. I, I kind of have to love sports to is, write for the Bleach Report. Isn't it stressful? Report. Your team don't win. <laughs> isn't it stressful? Do you got to deal with that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the thing is, I it, it would literally ruin my entire day. Like I, I'm such a diehard Ohio State fan, Ohio State football fan, that it would literally ruin my entire day when Ohio State uh, lost the game. I, I guarantee you. Like I kid you not, I had to pray. Like years ago, a few years ago, I had to literally pray <laughs> that I would not be so affected by Ohio State football game and my wife would just console me like every single time like Ohio State would lose especially if it was like a nail biter those were just the worst for me like if Ohio State got blew out I would be so I would be devastated but it wouldn't be as worse as like a nail biter that we had like a chance to win and it's a field goal and overtime loss (laughs) yeah man I was done I was done for the entire day and there was a few times that that happened. Uh, we lost to, to to Illinois one year, and I remember that time. We Illinois was not a very good team that year, and and they had Juice Williams and just just and they beat us twenty eight to twenty one, and I was uh, I was done. But the the flip side of that is that Ohio State is the reigning defending college playoff national champions as of this year so i'm I'm proud to be a buckeye in, in that stance so um yeah i, I was really happy to, uh, that that we won so you didn't watch any sports as a kid did you watch wrestling at all oh uh, no what's wrestling now of course i watched wrestling my mom of was course. a big wrestling fan it <laughs> <laughs> was a big wrestling fan 70s and 80s and it's only natural that I became 
I, I got hooked too at the early age of two. Just got hooked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I you jumping, got hooked. Jumping off my couch, imitating Macho Man onto my um, older sister's Cabbage Patch doll, um, doing the um, <laughs> doing the elbow, doing the elbow drop. Those are my earliest nice. memories. <laughs> wow. So okay, so you were born in the early to mid '80s, right? Yeah, so, '84. Uh, so, okay, so that means so that means mid '80s were is was when you start watching uh, wrestling. So, uh, what wrestling was, was it? Just exclusively WWE? Did you watch some uh, some some Mid South? Did you did, did you watch some uh, World Class? Some NWA? Uh, what what wrestling did you watch? Okay, so being uh, being born and raised in um, uh, Brooklyn, um, I only had access to WWE Superstars, WWE WWF Challenge. I'm sorry, WWF Challenge, WWF Superstars, um, and that was it. WCW, I didn't know anything about it until probably what, maybe my the second and third grade when it used to come on late at night, and mm-hmm. only and it used to come on like what midnight or one or two, and I would catch that sometimes. I would see Sting and 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 Ric Flair, but that, that's all I had access to at the time was WWF. Mm-hmm. And I went to live w, mm-hmm. WWF uh, events um, monthly with my mom and my uh, sister when they ran every month. Mm-hmm. So who do you remember as a kid, uh, Grum? You said something about Randy Savage. Who else did you remember as far as the kid that you wanted to emulate when you got older? Um... Some of my earliest memories of watching WWF was a main event um, when uh, when he was getting ready for WrestleMania and Elizabeth got hurt and Hulk Hogan took uh, took Queen Elizabeth backstage and left Macho Man. I remember watching that oh, yeah. kid with my sister, and it was like I was emotionally involved. <laughs> that was some of my earliest <laughs> earliest memories. Um, Hulk Hogan was a big uh, was a big. Uh, impact on my life growing up as a kid. He was like kind of like my hero. It's like when I got picked on in school, like, I'm going to tell Hulk Hogan, get Hulk Hogan on you. It was like, I had, you know, he was just my, my, my hero. And then as I got older, Bret Hart um, was a big uh, inspiration to me. And I actually had the opportunity to tell Bret Hart that at, um, at uh, WrestleMania, at the WrestleMania after party, you know, I pulled him to the side. I had to tell him how much of an inspiration and motivation he was to me um, as a as a as a kid, and also um, training to be a professional wrestler. So, who trained you? I was trained um, in Ohio Valley Wrestling. I was trained by Rip Rogers, one of the best trainers. In the world, I have to say, um, he trained Brock Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin. Uh, the list goes on. John Cena. Oh man, yeah, this man is a, is, a, is legendary. He he's his psychology is so is so great. Um, and later on, before I got got pulled up to WWE, right before, right before I got on the road with WWE, I was um, in the advanced class with Al Snow. But I was taught most of the majority of my psychology and in ring, um, how to bump and all that good stuff was uh, Rip Rogers. Hmm. So how did you even get the break to 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 get into OVW? Did you do any indie work beforehand, or was it just some some connections that you knew to 
get you a spot at OVW because at that time, uh, was it I believe oh six oh five oh six, OVW still wasn't like OVW wasn't like as I, I guess at that time it was a little bit more notable. Because you know, as far as being a WWE tele- ter- territory, it's more of an independent type of uh, territory now. It had some type of uh, affiliation with TNA for a little bit a few years back, but yeah. uh, at that time it was still very popular. It was still uh, highly affiliated with with WWE. So at that time, how did you even get the opportunity to uh, become a member of the OVW roster? Okay, give you a little short story. So. But I first, the first time I stepped in the ring was on my um, 18th birthday, um, and that was to start my first day of training in North Car- North um, North Carolina. I moved to North Carolina from New York, and I was there for six months. And I learned how to run the ropes and bump, but I but I was pretty much ripped off. You know, this guy he was um, he was a trainer, and he saw opportunities to take advantage of a young hungry kid. And he like he, he would drop me off there, show me like a few things for about twenty to thirty minutes when we had class for about two hours, and then he will go somewhere and leave me there with the other wrestlers, and they noticed what, he, what they what he was doing, and he was like, hey man, you getting ripped off, man, and you need to, I think you should find another school or trainer. So I was there for six months. I picked up what I can. I moved back home to New York, then I moved to Memphis, to so I could start going to OVW. So I moved to Memphis, then I started taking the Greyhound bus from Memphis to Louisville, Kentucky every every uh, Friday. The bus started breaking down too many times because of the weather, and Greyhound is just janky altogether. <laughs> it started breaking down. I started to become I started to get late for started to become late for class. So um, my teacher pulled me to the side. He said, "Look, you have a lot of potential. Um, you, you can't you can't come late to class anymore." said, all right, cool. So I moved back home to New York. From New York, after work, I worked at AMC Movie Theater in Times Square, uh, right next to Penn Station. So what I would do is um, take after work on Friday, I'll I'll leave early, and I'll take the bus from Greyhound, Times Square, all the way to Kentucky, and I'll get there earlier. And then buses were still running late, and breaking down so I, I was trying to avoid moving to Kentucky because I didn't know anybody in Kentucky I'm a city kid and Kentucky was my last I did not want to move there then I, I uh, finally moved there I lived in a motel and I was there I was I went I started the beginners class then I worked my way up to the advanced class and that's when I got my big break with with Shad Shad was doing his own thing singles and um it was Paul Heyman's idea. You could say I'm a Paul Heyman guy. <laughs> it was Paul Heyman's idea to me and Chad together nice. as a tag team. He called me Neighborhoodie. Um, yeah, I was Neighborhoodie. I, I debuted on OVW television. Just a little quick camp. Just a little quick uh, poke my head out. Oh, Chad is just went Neighborhoodie. Then the next week, out of nowhere, it's like I wanted to quit. I was there for so long. Nothing was panning out for me. It was like, man, I'm just in advanced class and nothing's going, nothing's, nothing's happening. I'm not getting any TV time, nothing. Then out of nowhere, I get my first break on television TV at the end of the show. I just said something, got a quick line in. And then the next week, me and Chad won the tag, the Southern Tag Team titles. 
I'm like, oh, sh- mm-hmm. oh, snap. <laughs> and then after that, we became a we were heels. We became fan fan favorites. They liked us, you know. We mm-hmm. we brought we brought something different to the table. And then we started adding comedy to our uh, to our um, to our characters. And me, mm-hmm. Huh? And then we shot. Yeah, uh, to your, yeah I was thinking promos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we shot a vignette for um, TV one day. Al Snow said, um, uh, "Show a different side of show a different side of yourself. Um, you don't want to have a match. You don't have to get over with just matches. You know, you can do a vignette and shoot it. You got you guys can do it yourselves." He's like, "All right." We had a creative uh, creative uh, liberty, so we had some fun. We had some ideas, and we shot our own video vignette on our, all on our own expenses, and. I loved it. They played it, and then for some reason that video got in front of Vince's uh, Vince's eyes. And I, from what I was told, Vince said hire them. He never seen us wrestle. He just saw us. He just saw how entertaining we were, and he never saw me take a bump or hit the ropes. But he said hire him. So wow, yeah, it, it happened so fast. It all happened so mm-hmm. fast. I remember I was working at the daycare at the gym. I was working at the uh, whole gym daycare, uh, making 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 nothing pretty much. And I got a call right as soon as I opened up for the daycare. I got a call, and it was from the WWE. Oh, they called from a, a block number. I almost didn't pick up the call because it, it came in blocked, but I picked it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. And... A lady said, well, this is John Laurinaitis' assistant. We'd like to transfer you to John Laurinaitis. And I'm like, this is a joke. I thought it was a joke at first. Somebody was ripping me. Mm-hmm. They're good for that in Kentucky. He's pranking you. And then John Laurinaitis came on the phone, and he said, hey, kid, saw some of the work you're doing down there in uh, OBW. How would you like a job? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. And then he started asking some questions, like, do you have your passport? We want to get you your passport. We want to bring you up to Raw next Monday. And, and it's like, this was all happening so fast, mind-blowing. And then I called Shaddy immediately and, like, yeah, they just, uh, I just spoke to Johnny. He, they want to bring us on the road. He's like, yeah, he just called me and asked me about you. I'm like, oh, this is real. This is this is happening. And from there, uh, Shad and I were fan, fan favorites when we hit the scene. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know, and that's uh, birth uh, crime time, and you know, and crime time it was was catchy from the from the very beginning, uh, and just the, I guess the eccentricity of 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 the crime time character. Uh, was very you see here's the thing with 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 crime time that it was very interesting because I've been writing journalism for for quite some time now, and I would look at just different comments and different uh, uh, just different takes on how people thought about the crime time character, and so many people thought it was stereotypical. Now. Did you or Shad ever get that type of feel that it was stereotypical, or was it more of a, hey, listen, we got an opportunity, whatever, we're going to run with it? It was more. It was more of um, bringing hip hop to WWE. We, we like Shad and I were being ourselves. 
It was like we wanted to be different, we wanted to stand out, and that was, that character JTG is just Jason Paul with the volume turned all the way up. It was an opportunity, and we, and we definitely took it. I mean, I wore jeans. I wore. I mean, everything. How you saw me in what what year? Two thousand two thousand six. That's how I pretty much would dress. Yeah. I mean, it might have been an exaggerated just a little bit. I wore Tim's. I wore Tim's outside the ring. I was able. I was fortunate enough to wrestle in it. <laughs> I didn't yeah, sag my pants exactly. that low, but I did. I sagged a little bit. You know, I was young. I was 21 when I got signed, so I did sag my pants a little bit. I did wear fitted hats with band with do rags and bandanas. Of course, I didn't wear bulletproof vests, but um, <laughs> but um, that was pretty much JTG. Jason Paul with the with the with the volume turned all the way up. Same thing with Shad. Mm-hmm. Nice. So y'all, so y'all received some, y'all experienced some some decent success as as Crime Time. Do you remember any specific moment in Crime Time's character uh, that stood out the most uh, as far as just WrestleMania match and what was your best feud? Because I definitely remember that there were some times that y'all came pretty close to winning the tag team championships. I think y'all were feuding with. Uh, with uh, with Jericho and Big Show at the time, if I'm not mistaken, and that's one of my uh, fondest came close to one. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of my um, most favorite memories working in, working uh, in that company, um, especially working with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is man. I'm trying to think of the the best words to describe this describe Chris Jericho. He's just something great to work work uh, work with in the ring. He mm-hmm. he gives you creative liberty. He like when you usually work with a top guy, they usually big dog you and tell you what they what they want want what they want you to do, what you're not gonna do. I'm not taking that. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not taking your finisher. All this is like so many restrictions. But working with Chris Jericho, there was no restrictions. He said, "Hey man, what do you want to do?" Well, that's cool. And then he would use his experience, his, his experience and um, psychology to fit it in, mm-hmm. so that so it makes sense. You know, you're not just doing your your finisher or doing your uh, just a move just to get it in. He's he's mm-hmm. very smart when it comes to um, putting a match together. His experience, he's just a great great guy all around. Wow, that's uh, that's great for uh, me to hear. You know, because uh, I've I've interviewed many many people and everybody has positive things to say about Chris Jericho when it comes to you know both. Um, um, just as a guy, as a person, as a really help, as a, a veteran that's really willing to help you. I mean, it's very clear, it's very evident that he's so willing to help people out because he, yeah. I mean, he puts so many people over in the WWE. It's ridiculous, <laughs> and you know, Jericho's one of my my, my favorite. He, he, I'm a Jericho fan. He, he's my favorite WWE wrestler. Um, oh wow! And recent, and re, yeah, and recent memory. Ever since he debuted in '99, he's been my favorite. And I've liked Jericho ever since he was in uh, ECW when, I, when he was feuding, feuding with the, the Pit Bulls. And and yeah, I was I was a big Jericho fan. And uh, Jericho and Booker T has always been my my two guys um, as far as modern day, the past 20 years or so. But uh, I'm a big Sting mark. He's my favorite all time. And then Dusty Rhodes okay. is second, and, and Steamboat's third. Yeah. Okay. You you was raised in the yeah, South, huh? No, man. I, I was. Uh, I, I'm an Ohioan. I, I'm a I'm a Midwest guy. But um, okay. 
My, it's, 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 yeah, it's funny. My, my great-grandma started watching uh, pro wrestling. And she passed in, in 1995. And she, I, I grew up from the womb, my mom's womb. I got injected right into professional wrestling. I, I, my great-grandma raised uh, my brother and I. And uh, just she was she would uh, she was sixty sixty years old at the time and in her sixties with a cane throwing a cane at the at the TV, watching <laughs> watching wrestling, and my brother and I would be right in front of the TV, because uh, that's why I'm, I'm I'm more of an NWA guy. We watched we watched WWE, okay. but we watched some we watched some NWA man. We, we we were some some huge NWA fans, and that's why I'm a huge Sting mark because. Uh, okay. When I watched wrestling, Sting was the guy to me. Of course, you had Hogan, but Sting was yeah. my guy. And yeah, so Dusty Rhodes too, the charisma that he had. And, and Sting versus uh, Triple Triple H. Are huh? you looking forward to that? Oh, I love it. I think it's great. Uh, you know, you know, Sting Taker was the dream match, but you know, Sting Sting and Triple H is perfect to me because because Triple H is going to put Sting over. Sting needs that that rub, you know, cuz it'll be his first match ever in the WWE after he's 55 years old. You know, by the time WrestleMania happens, he'll be 56. And so, a 56-year-old guy who had his first match ever in the WWE, you know, Triple H who's about a dozen years his senior, I mean his junior, like I I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect. I'm, I'm, I like The Undertaker. I think Sting and Taker's the dream match, but I, I'm totally okay with with Triple H being the guy to give Sting the rub because uh, Taker, there's a good chance that Taker wouldn't have given Sting the rub, uh, but mm-hmm. Triple H, you know, most likely will. I think I think it's perfect. So it, it's a it's a really good moment for me because I'm such a Sting guy. But yeah, I mean. You know Jericho. Jericho was the man as well. I, I followed Jericho. I was a big Jericho fan, and still is. And uh, any uh, any other people that you can think of that really helped you uh, in the ropes during your run in WWE, and as far as any big moments, like any WrestleMania moments, you can think of. Um. So besides SummerSlam, uh, working with um, Jericho and Big Show for the titles. Um. Let me see. Also, being in the Royal Rumble, being eliminated by Undertaker, that was a great moment for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> being, elim- yeah. being eliminated by uh, by a legend, that's definitely got to go down in uh, down, in my, down in my books. Um, mm-hmm. What also stood out? You know, meeting The Rock backstage, doing doing segments with him when he was in Miami for his birthday, mm-hmm. that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot from Mark Henry, uh, in and in and in um in and outside, more outside the ring. Um, he took me to my first strip club. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, Mark Henry was like a big a big brother outside the ring. He gave a lot of good uh, a lot of good advice. Um mm-hmm. dealing with, you know, politics and you know, just I was so young so I need I definitely needed him in my ear. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, I can see that. What I mean, what type of influences did you have? Because you said I mean you were hired at 21, so you know what are what are the good and the bad things that you experienced backstage? Oh man, oh, politics. Oh, mm. politics. Everything was fun. Let me tell you something. Being in front of thousands of people, 
uh, performing for the millions on TV, hearing your own theme song uh, uh, night, uh, day in and day out, um, having your own action figure, being in video games. The whole experience was great being a WWE superstar. I didn't even mind the traveling, flying every week. That was all cool. It was just the backstage politics. You know, you step on the wrong person's foot, and then everything's just like that. Everything is gone. Just like that heat. Mm-hmm. I'm actually writing a book right now about heat. Um, I don't, I'm halfway done. I was going to be an ebook, and it's just about my experiences in the WWE dealing with heat, where my career could have ended just like that because of just a, a, a stupid mistake that anybody could have made. But just because we in, in the wrestling business, if you say if you say if something's taken out of context, something you say is taken out of context. Even if even if they um if you apologize, it doesn't matter. Wow. So were there any type of um discussion of, of you and Chad being the tag champs at all? That I would I would not know. That I would not mm. not know. I was told numerous times, Oh, we're gonna put the traps on you guys and they never manifested. It never came to pass. I was told that we were supposed to win the titles from um, from um, from Cody and Ted DiBiase. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it? Remember, it was in February, and they changed their mind last minute and decided to give the titles to Punk and Kofi. Mm-hmm. Just like that. That that also could have been because of heat, you know. I don't know what I did. Shaq could have said, said something or pissed somebody off, and then you know what? They changed their mind. You never, we, we don't know. Hmm. <clears throat> so do you remember, I mean, of course you don't have to say any names, but do you remember any specific time? Or you can say names if you want, but it's totally up to you. <laughs> uh, but do you, remember, <laughs> do you remember any specific time that uh, a higher-up came up to you and, and, and rubbed you the wrong way? Oh yeah, I kind of want to save it for the book. <laughs> I well, kind of want to give save us a leak, man. Hey, listen, you, this 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 is uh, you know this show has tens of thousands of, of listeners, and you know you can promote the heck out of your book while you're here for sure. I, I want you to do that actually, and just okay, you know I'm, leak your book you out a little bit. Let us know. Let us know what we're going to read. I'm not going to give any names. No names, that's fine. A little bit of one chapter with no names. If you can figure it out, good. But I I prefer that you read the book and get the whole story. I like it. That's a good cliffhanger for (laughs) The day day that Shad and I debuted on Monday Night Raw was in um, the Staples Center in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles. We debuted. It was perfect. We came out. The crowd went wild. They loved it. We won. You beat the the tag champs, the Spirit Squad. We did a promo segment with uh, Booker T and Charmel and my and um, the coach. That went great. That was our first uh, backstage segment, and it was live. There was no no there was no um, second takes. It was like that was a that was nerve wracking, but we nailed it. It was like this, this night couldn't get any better. Um, another good experience. Uh, another one. 
my <laughs> my ex called me. She was like, oh, you're on TV. Blah, blah, blah. I can't believe it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, you know, you should have stayed with me, but whatever. I hung up the phone to her. Great experience. Everything was going great. <laughs> and then um, a legend, a, a Hall of Famer, um, didn't even pull me to the side. He said it in front of everybody, yelled at the top of his lungs, just yelled at me because he thought I was uh, mimicking one of his uh, his um, signature signature moves. He thought I was mimicking him on purpose. Mm-hmm. It was it was like, are you kidding me right now? Like I'm I'm on cloud nine right now. You just pulled me. You just yanked me right down. And um, I thought he was absolutely. I, I thought he was absolutely crazy. But I had to, you know, I didn't want any extra heat, so I just had to find him and apologize. He wasn't really so, you know, you're like, yeah, whatever, okay, cool, just don't let it happen again. And it was like, I just had to do that. Even though I thought he was wrong, I can't say, you know what, I think I would have been fired immediately. That would have been my first and last time on, <laughs> on Raw. Yeah. So if you want to find out who that individual is and more, more details of the story, uh, you're going to have to buy the book, Dan, Why Did I Write This Book? <laughs> nice. There you go, man. There's your <laughs> there there's your pitch right there. Everybody buy Heat by JTG and uh I'm sure that that's, uh, there's a lot more juicy. Oh, wow. There there's a lot more juicy stuff than that, I'm sure. So, I'm excited. Okay, sweet. Yeah, for sure. So, you had so so the 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 Crime time was was starting to get uh, some some buzz and uh, so many threshold moments where you guys were just about to get the the tag team championships and all of a sudden Chad makes a heel turn. So how did that come about? And was it a decision that both of you agreed with? Was it just something that was just thrown together? Why Shad having the 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 heel turn, and why did they decide to do it at that time? Oh, for a while now, Shad and I wanted to go um, to go singles. You know, the tag team division was kind of like slowly dwindling, and it was like, man, let's mm-hmm. try to if we split and go our separate ways, um, you know, we could have some more, you know, enjoy this career a lot more a lot more and then eventually maybe sometime in the future we could um tag back up we re- re- uh, reunite mm-hmm. um so they decided for me to be the baby face cuz I was told I was I had a little bit more charisma I was more charismatic and I have no mm-hmm. problem getting um people to love me so that was the reason why Shad went heel turned heel and it, w- it didn't come out the blue it was kind of like we had like a month month notice we didn't know exactly how we was going to do it and then out of out of the uh out of nowhere it was on smackdown we was working our truth and john morrison, morrison. tonight's tonight we're going to yeah. turn you we're going to turn chad heel we're going to have you turn on each other like oh okay okay cool and then we're going to build up to a pay-per-view mm-hmm. hmm and so was there anything that came out of – was there anything planned for you after that? Because I remember that after that – because Shad got let go 
uh, not too long after that, and then you, they they started uh, putting you on Superstars a lot. You were a pro. I think you were mm-hmm. uh, Jacob Novak's pro. Is that what? It, is that who yeah. it was? That uh, yeah. you're the pro. Yeah, Jacob Novak, and then. So it it didn't seem like they had much of a direction with you because you ended up becoming a heel for for a little bit. Uh, had a had a, a really a character rehaul. Uh, gear mm-hmm. was different. Attitude was different. It was was how was that supposed to come about? After my um, after the going on the singles run, after the split. The direction was for me to be uh, this big, colorful baby face, big, big, colorful baby face character. I was going to target it towards kids. Like when I first started the, the singles uh, singles run, um, if you can remember, it was very short. They had kids coming in the ring with me and dancing with me at the end of, end of my match. And then all of a sudden that stopped. It was like, no kids this week? Like, no, uh, Vince has another idea for you. And then I never heard that idea, and then I just wound up, <laughs> wound up, wound up wow. on superstars. And then I started pitching ideas. I pitched a lot of ideas. Um, I pitched the idea um, from something that came from promo class. Uh, we used to have promo class with Vince McMahon um, early in the morning before the rest of the – like he would have selected superstars come in uh, every week, like about – eight or 12 of us, and we will have class working on improvs, improv um, promos. We worked on promos and improv, like I said, um, what else? And that's, what, that's what I can remember right now. And while we were cutting promos one time, I came up with a character, and Vince loved it. I had, I had Vince laughing. It was um, It was kind of a crazy character. It might sound familiar to you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, say who done it, who took it, or where. Or I'm just. I'm just gonna leave it up to you. It was a character where I was talking to my imaginary self. Oh. And <laughs> it was a character where I was talking to my imaginary self. I called him self, and I will talk. We will go back and forth and have dialogue. Vince loved it. And then I said, Vince, let's take it. And I, I pulled Vince to the side after class. I said, look, let's take this another step further. Let's make self a Muppet, a Muppet that will look just like me. It's never been done before. The kids will love it. He'll be a JTG Muppet. He'll be outlandish. He will talk crazy. And nobody, the only WWE universe will see him. Like, nobody else would, uh, the backstage, like, the, the other character, like, other superstars would not see him. He will just talk trash. Only I could communicate with him, and the WWE Universe could see him. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like my imaginary, uh, imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. So Vince was like, "I love it. This will be. This is totally different. This is outside the box. This is what I want my superstars to do: is to think outside the box and come up with great, great ideas like this." I'm excited. Vince is praising me for having great ideas. I'm thinking I'm about to be a multi-millionaire because this Muppet idea is going to be great. So, um. After weeks and weeks of um, trying to get this Muppet idea off the ground, I talked to his assistant, all this good stuff. Then after, like, two months, the idea got shot down. It was like, what the hell? It was like Vince was all gung-ho about this idea, and then all of a sudden the Muppet is out the window. And then a couple of, couple of say about a month or two later, I see somebody else talking to their imaginary, imagine, to an imaginary character. It was like, oh, word. 
just like that. <laughs> it's not the same exact idea, but it's like, yeah. Now nah, I know my idea is definitely this is never going to happen. So that was kind of discouraging. There's been there's been a few times where I've seen some of the ideas that I pitched gone to um, others, other superstars. So I, that that comes along with the territory when you're uh, a talent backstage trying to trying to get some TV time. You pitch ideas and you have to get, you have to know that it can it can or will get stolen. You might see that idea on somebody else. Wow. Well, and, okay, so that led to that's and that's unfortunate too because yeah, it, it, the charisma that you have and the jokes are that you are, it really would have it really would seem like it would be really good. Now, the other guy that that's still there, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that that had a character like that. Um, he did a, he did a very good job at it. Uh, but he's like ten years older than you are, so uh, older over ten years older than you are actually. So it would be more of a uh, new, you know, a, a newer generation style uh, character that's uh, that definitely would have would have been funny to see and interesting. And hey, I, I I see the importance of really catering to the kids because you know. Your boy John Cena is is not liked by many adults at all, but he's been the guy for you know uh, over over ten years now. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so about catering to the kids. So unfortunately, we saw the end of JTG in the WWE. So you had a very very funny tweet actually. Um, they were going through some roster cuts and. Um, it was their spring cleaning, so to speak, and unfortunately, there was a, there was a couple of seasons where there there was they were doing some cuts and and you managed to hang on and and you know that that was great, but uh, the last cut they had and last year was was not very favorable for you. So how did that come about? Uh, was it? Was it something that you were kind of expecting? And then, of course, the tweet saying that you suddenly picked up the phone was pretty funny. And and so how did that come about? And were you expecting it? And were there was it amicable as far as giving you a possible opportunity to come back? Uh, let us know about that. Um, not, I wasn't really expecting it. I kind of knew that they didn't have anything for me. Um, I thought my contract, to be honest, I thought they were going to let my contract run out, and I was just going to let it run out too because at that point I pitched so many ideas. Um, like you already told you that some of them wound up on uh, other superstars, and um, sometimes I wouldn't even get a response to my email. Um, so that was like this. I was like I was in, I, I, I'm in love with wrestling. I'm in love with the business, but at that time, I didn't love it anymore. It was like it was too many too many disappointments. So I started I was looking outside of wrestling to for means to you know looking at another careers. Um, living in Los Angeles, a lot of opportunities. Um, and then when I got the call, I was on vacation actually, and I was on my I was in the airport in Florida. 
and I saw that he like they called me a couple of times. I didn't I didn't I, I saw the phone. I saw I saw that they called. I didn't pick up. Then, he, then I got an email from Talent Relations. He's like, when you when you get this email, can you please call me as soon as possible? Nope. <laughs> I saw that a few people, I saw that a few people got got released. I'm like, I think this is it. I, th- I said, I'm, I think this is it. They're gonna. This is the call. And then they called again, and then it was ringing. It was ringing. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. You know what? I'm mean, sorry for saying that. I'm sorry. Uh, I just said, you know what? Screw it. I just picked up the phone. I was like, let me have it. <laughs> like, uh, and then he told me that uh, the writers had nothing for me, and they give you that same speech. You know, writers have nothing for you. We really want to keep you on, uh, keep you on the roster. You have so much talent and charisma, but right now we, we don't have anything for you, and um, we're gonna have to let you go. I'm like, all right, I understand. Do I get my uh, 90 days? <laughs> he said, yes, you get your 90 days. I'm like, cool, I'm good. You know what? Everything, I'm all good with it. So did you get any – I know that you and, and Chad ended up uh, reuniting the Indies. Um, what's what's your what's your current schedule look like, and how has it been since your uh, departure from the WWE? Me and Chad did a few shows. We've done some shows overseas. Uh, but Chad and I both are, are focusing on our um, acting careers. As you know, Shad, know, he's been pretty busy in Hollywood. Let me tell you something about Shad. Shad is well-connected in Hollywood. He has a lot of connection. He's well-known, and he's got a bright future ahead of him. And um, I've, I have I just got my first um, feature role in, in a movie. I actually start filming tomorrow. And nice. I have like five, days of, five, five to six days of shooting. And right now we're just focusing on um, on movies and commercials. Nice. That's that's awesome. So, any desire to go back to the WWE at all? Um, like I said, I'm in I'm in love with I love wrestling, but I'm not in love with it right now. Um, mm-hmm. for me to go back, I don't know. I, I really don't. I really don't know. Um, they can't even promise me anything because they're they're known for breaking promises. <laughs> they're known for breaking promises. Mm-hmm. Not a dozen promises broken. Um. That was a lot of promises was was a promise to us to meet Shad myself, and we, those never came to pass. So that they can't even promise us anything. Um, mm-hmm. Money wise, I don't. I, I really don't know. It'll have to come down to the money because right now, my heart would my heart wouldn't be into it right now. Right now at this present moment, I've been d- disappointed too many times. Understandable, definitely understandable. Yeah. It's like, it's like from, having you know a beautiful, sexy girlfriend, and then she breaks your heart. You know, it's like you. It, it, she looks pretty, but I don't. I don't know if I can go back. <laughs> right, right, right. You get the phone call like, "Oh, it's her." <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna answer it, although I want to. Although it's tempting. You want to answer, nah, but it's like sweet disappointment. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, I got uh, some name association before we get off here. Um, I got five names. Give me a little bit uh, of what you um, what you think about them. Uh, we already started with uh, Chris Jericho. He was he was one of my he was one of my other ones. So I'm going to replace him with Big Show. Big Show. Um, he was also great to work with. Um, 
not too many restrictions uh, working in the ring with him. Uh, being such being a top guy, he was also fun to work with. Um, uh, outside the ring, he's just like a big, big cuddly bear, man. He likes to play video games. I didn't. I remember when he was uh, trying to get me addicted to Angry Bird. He's a big gamer. Oh, he loves Call of Duty. Love that game. <laughs> Call of Duty, he put me on Angry Birds. Yeah. So what um, happened? Did you did you get on Angry Birds or no? No, nah, I couldn't do it. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Hey, that's, that's, that's a good move. Man. Native boys addicted to their addicted to their um to their phones, trying to sling birds. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna do. It. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good move, man. Because once you get in, you're it, it's hard to get out, man. You have to get like, you know, kicked out. I, I I have been on a Angry Birds drought for for quite some time on purpose because I remember I was just glued to my screen playing Angry Birds like all the time. It was so ridiculous. That's the reason why I don't play Candy Crush because so many people are so yeah, addicted to Candy Crush and not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, hey, you got any lives? No, man. See, that's the reason why I don't play Candy Crush. I ain't going to just desperately ask people for lives out of the blue. I haven't talked to you on Facebook for five years, but you want to send me a message. Do you have any lives? doesn't make any sense to me. So next we have Triple H. Triple H. Ah. Ah. Um. I love Triple H's in-ring performance. He's a great, uh, he's a mastermind when it comes to putting a match together, psychology-wise, um, in the ring performer, great. Um, when it comes to, from my experience with him running the business, uh, I'm not impressed yet. Hmm. To be honest, I'm not impressed yet. Um, very, very interesting. From what I um I don't I don't watch for all. My mom's right now. My mom right now is visiting. She's in town, so she's uh of course she's watching Raw. She's a big still a big fan. Um, mm-hmm. I catch it sometimes, and I'm seeing too much, too much of uh, the authority. Mm-hmm. That's my honest opinion. I'm seeing too much of authority yeah. and not enough uh new talent. Mm-hmm. That time that they're taking up in the ring right now. From what I've saw, that could have been given to building a new building, building a new character. Mm-hmm. All right, a couple more. All right, here we go. John Laurinaitis. Um, I like John Laurinaitis. He gave me my um. He was well, of course he's. I like him because he's the one who gave me that uh, <laughs> gave me that gave me the call, um, that that fateful day in the daycare center. And he's a straight shooter, you know. He's fair. When he was when he was head of talent relations, I preferred dealing with him, um, with with with, with Johnny more than anybody else. He, I think he did a great job uh, running head of talent relations. Hmm, nice. Vince McMahon. On a business level. Um, I don't know him personally. I always talked to him and uh, dealt with him on a business level when I had ideas or a promo. And um, mm, 
cool, cool guy to work for. I think he's a little out of touch right now with what's going on and what's going on in uh, mainstream media. What's going on right now? So I, I think he's a little out of touch. That's my personal opinion. I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think he needs to. Uh, <laughs> I think he needs to uh, watch a little bit more. Let me see. I would, I would, I would, I would say MTV, but MTV is not even what MTV used to be. Um, <laughs> what are the, what are the kids watching these days? That's that's what he needs to watch. <laughs> Uh, I suppose like, um, that's, uh, I, I don't, I have a two year old and a two week old, so they watch Dora the Explorer and, and, uh, you know, well, nah. uh, Mickey Mouse that's, Clubhouse. That's, yeah, that's way so. too, way too young. Now you don't need to watch that cause we'll definitely have a, what do you mean, be, uh, PG, right? What's that? that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I agree. <laughs> There'll be somebody yeah, Diego though. running down the uh, down the ramp. Nah, we don't need that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, one more name for you, John Cena. John Cena. I'll just give you a little heads up. He's he's in the book. <laughs> he's I, in I the book. Um, I know it. He's definitely in the book. Um. I have some good experience and bad experiences with John Cena. Um, the good ones definitely stand out. You know, he welcomed us to the locker room when we, um, when me and Sh- when Shad and I were rookies. You know, we were training in the in the um, extra talent locker room, which is pretty much a closet or a broom broom closet. <laughs> and he said, um, he pulled us to the side. He said, "You guys are on the contract. You guys are on the road every week." Uh, you come change with us, and that was pretty much a that was an honor to have the top guy, the champion at the time, invite you to the locker room to come change. He didn't have to do that at all, but um, that day that was a good day. That was one one of the good experiences, and of course there are the bad experiences, and you're gonna have to get the book for that. <laughs> nice. Oh, you and your cliffhangers. <laughs> All right, man. I really, really appreciate. It. This has been a fantastic discussion. I really, really appreciate it. Before you get off, before we, we get off the line, uh, let us know just your current projects and let us know about, a little bit more about that book that I, that I want to get a copy. I hope that you are going to give me a copy of that book. That would be fantastic to do that. And just let us know about the book. Awesome. Let us know about the book and let us know about your current projects and and what you're all about right now, man. Okay, so you already know about the um the ebook. Um the movie is the movie's called Bad Night. It is uh directed by well, let me think I remember their names. Hold on. It's by these brothers, the Riedel brothers, Nick and Chris uh Riedel. And I don't know when when is that um when is that going to be out? Since we just started filming, I went to the table read last week. It's a great script. It's um these two YouTube stars, Jen Jen X Penn and Lauren Elizabeth. They're pretty big on YouTube, so right now they're doing their uh, first film. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. And I also have another big project I'm working on, but I can't talk too much about that. Mm-hmm. That you have to follow me on. Uh, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter, and I'll uh, keep you updated on that project. Signed the NDA on that one, so I can't give too much information. I'm sorry, but yeah, oh, I'm, no, I'm saying okay. I, I understand. 
staying busy. Cool. I understand. There's a lot of work. I've talked to many people who had to kind of keep some some projects under wraps until uh, until releases and things like that come. So I'm familiar with that for sure. I I appreciate you so much, sir. Thank you so much. We've I've I've had a great time uh, speaking with you. Any closing thoughts? Any closing thoughts? I want to say thank you for having me on your 150th episode. Appreciate it. It's an honor. Also want to say to the fans, um, I miss you guys. Love performing, for, um, love performing in front of you guys. I miss it. And also to keep you updated on my projects, to follow me on Twitter, JTG1284, um, and on Instagram, JTG121084. Holler at me. I like responding and engaging with my fans. And, um, yeah. I'll let your boy. Absolutely. Can you give me a 30-second promo before you go? All right, no problem. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, it's your boy, JTG, a.k.a. Future Hall of Famer, and I want to say you are listening to Pancakes and Power Slams. Cheer. Nice. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Have a good night. Thanks a lot. Man, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, three, on mine. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear we taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play like who defies the living God. Get out the big boys way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us, but our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood Hendrix Prizzle pinning them. To the man, I'm that one again with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap about your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer, but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals using. God for my defense in Alabama We jamming, that's beautiful Bobby Eaton, me and Priest We the dangerous alliance, nah, the Harlem Heat Tie the do-rag before we do battle You're talking shit, you are what you speak This too sweet Till the number is took back We reppin' that wolf pack The foundation's shaking, no mistaking Yeah, we shook that Trust in God, we trust Pushing forward, never look back Meekness ain't at all weakness Some people mistook that Stampin' out this crook rap He turnin' the power we're on, on the razor's edge, leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful, the owners in our group too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move too. You through. I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. And the grand scheme is that easy. We tag teaming, sign the brothers, we love it, demand the win, establish it, this the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Episode 150, ladies and gentlemen, JTG, 
fantastic discussion, awesome guy. Man, I had a really, really good time discussing wrestling with him and just his experience in the WWE. I knew it was going to be some controversy. So a bunch of cliffhangers for his book, Heat, which would be really, really interesting to, to read because of his experience in the WWE. Man, it just really, the fact that he started 21 years old uh, was just an amazing opportunity and just experiencing the WWE uh, for the time that he did, I'm sure that uh, he has a a bunch of takeaways uh, to put in a book, so I'm really excited about that. Awesome, awesome interview. Thank you, JTG. Derek, 150, we're here. This is 150, Chris, can you believe it? uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 150, Pancakes and Power Slams, JTG, Crime Time. That was an interview for the ages. Chris Featherstone, hats off to you, sir. Thank you, sir. I mean, that was phenomenal. His book, he first mentioned here on Pancakes and Power Slams. And, I mean, that book is going to sell because word of mouth, Pancakes and Power Slams is the place to be Tuesday night. The new Tuesday night Titans, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a landmark episode 150. This is it. We're in prime time now. We are in prime time, Chris. Yes, we are, ladies and gentlemen. 150 episodes, ladies and gentlemen. Can you believe it? And our two-year anniversary is coming up in two months, and we have, oh, an amazing, amazing interview uh, scheduled for that. Confirmed. We'll let you know a little bit more about that in the coming weeks. But as far as now is concerned, wow, JTG was was a fantastic interview, and I just want to thank him again for availing himself and and letting us know about um, just his life in the WWE inside and out and what he's up to now. And I'm sure that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of reporters and journalists are going to want to put their hands all over this interview as far as where t- what what JTG's thoughts were about the WWE and and just uh, yeah promoting his book Heat man that that that's going to be a really really good book to uh, to read to to get the juicy parts of of um, the the backstage politics in the WWE which uh, a few, you know a few people that we've interviewed have said the same thing so speaking of backstage backstage politics uh and your boy Triple H and he, he starts off with uh well we go we go to raw at Columbus Ohio and interestingly enough raw did not start off with John Cena or the authority so i was really really happy about that um it was something different start off with Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan uh, it was, and I had, a, I had a great time. I had great seats. It, it was just an amazing time. Uh, check out some video on the on the Crave Wrestling Facebook page. But uh, we're we're going to just go through uh, the raw experience. Uh, mostly, a lot of the things that uh, happened was you know a prelude to to set up fast the new the new fast lane pay per view. And the flavor of the week, by the way, is going to be three teams. Because in, in, in the spirit of, of tag teams, of very, very popular tag teams that never won a, 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 world tag, a WWE Tag Team Championship, 
we're going to talk about three teams that Derek and I chose separately, three teams that each of us feel should have won the WWE Tag Team Championships, although they never had a single reign as WWE Tag Team Championship, uh, as WWE Tag Team Champions. So that would be a very interesting Flavor of the Week episode, uh, Flavor of the Week topic to talk about. And so basically, back to Raw, we get Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, uh, animosity between them two, and this leads to a match between uh, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan against Big Show and Kane, uh, in which they win by DQ, uh, leads to uh, just a scuffle, and then Triple H coming out and booking a two-on-five handicap match for the main event. Uh, you know, it... it it, it appears as if you know they're they're building themselves around having uh, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan save the day against all lots. I like it. I like the fact that they're doing that because they'll give, like I said, the underdog pop is something that Roman Reigns lacks. It's something that he needs to have. Although there, although we reported today on the Cray Wrestling Facebook page, and there's been various reports that uh, they're. Uh, they're highly, highly considering turning Roman Reigns heel, and that's another that's another ten minutes for another day because I think that that is one of the worst audibles they could ever call. It's just nowadays the WWE. See, I don't even want to get into it because there's so much I want to say, but if I can if I can control myself and refine what I have to say for a little bit now and a lot a bit later. WWE it, Austin said it perfectly. I just I'm just going to reword what he said. Basically, WWE just need to stop calling Audible so much. If you got a, if you got a guy, you got a guy. They did the same thing, you know, with, with so many people over the years. But it's like they they didn't do it. They didn't do it with John Cena. You know, he was getting jeered. You know, early on in his career. They didn't call an audible with John Cena. They made him the guy, and, and he was, and he's been the guy for over a decade now. So you know, I understand it's 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 a new time. You got so many smarks, but why in the world would you continue to call audibles? It's like it's like being on a football team, and none of the plays matter because every single one are su- subject to, to, to for an audible to call because the team, you know, or, or the fans didn't like a certain play. You just have to call audible. If you, if a play-action pass don't work the first couple of times, that doesn't make you stop calling play-action passes. Like, it just doesn't make any sense at all for to call audibles. And, I, oh, man, I, I'll just go – I'll go further into that later but I just think it's absolutely horrible to make decisions like that on the fly. If you have a guy, use the guy, build the guy, make the guy a star. I just think it's absolutely horrible. It's absolutely horrible for the fact that Roman Reigns has to fight somebody to win the WrestleMania spot when he already won the Royal Rumble. That's just, right. you can't do, I mean, that is such... No one else has ever had to do that, so why do that now? I mean, seriously, WWE obviously realizes they made a mistake, but if they plan this the whole time, I mean, that, what does that do for Roman Reigns? 
all of a sudden he's going to prove himself again. He's like, oh, I won the Royal Rumble. I get the WrestleMania spot, and that's it. No questions asked. But, oh, you don't deserve it, so you have to fight me. Okay, I'll fight you. <laughs> it doesn't work. That is not – if I was Roman Reigns, I'd be like, I don't have to wrestle anyone else. I got the WrestleMania spot, and that's it. Yeah. I don't understand. I mean, to me, that just, it's kind of infuriating. It's almost like a bad call yeah. in football or something. It's like you can't do this. But they're doing it, yeah. and it's, I still don't like it. Absolutely. Seth Rollins uh, losing to Ryback by disqualification as well. Two DQs to start off Raw wasn't a very promising Raw for me to be at live. I got better. I had a, I had a really good time. I, I, you know, I, I haven't. I've been going to. I haven't missed a a live Raw since 1999. How about that? Dude? How about that for statistics? And every single time, it's like I'm not. You know, I'm not very happy. That uh, you know, the certain things are going on at the particular raw that I'm at, or SmackDown, the SmackDown as well. But it's like you know, I I wasn't happy with so many things that happened. There were so many times that uh, the things were boring, and it was just lifeless. But it's like I just had to start having. I just had to make fun of where I'm at, and that's just with life. Period. But you just have to just. Find ways to just make fun of where you at, and I was just doing some chants that were just way off, and people around me were just cracking up laughing. I was chanting people like Tom Zink and Brooklyn Brawler, and I just just throwing out just random names that I was uh, <laughs> chanting. And people started chanting Bastion Booger that were around me, like just, you know, to keep the spirit of just throwing out random names. And that was actually a lot more fun than some of the matches that went on. But I had a good time. But it just, you know, this this Raw was just one of those Raws that uh, was more of a filler Raw leading up to Fastlane, although it did kind of tease a Reigns heel push uh, or a heel turn, really. Uh, you know, it was just it was just okay. But uh, next we did we did have Seth Rollins uh, going against Ryback. Now Ryback, neither Ryback nor Seth Rollins have a spot at WrestleMania. I'm gonna be honest with you. I would be okay with the Ryback versus Seth Rollins match. I think Ryback needs a rub. I don't think Seth Rollins needs the rub uh, at WrestleMania because he'll still have the Money in the Bank contract and he'll still be valid for another for another two months, he can certainly cash in at Extreme Rules. So a Ryback versus Seth Rollins match at WrestleMania would be okay with me. It would totally be okay with me. And I think Ryback getting the win over Seth Rollins would be even better for Ryback. I prefer Ryback, Rusev, of course, but if they are not doing Ryback, Rusev, which, again, I think they dropped the ball on Ryback because he definitely could be a U.S. champion by the end of WrestleMania, they were they were teasing. I mean, Ryback and and Rusev, but they they just kind of changed their mind on that, which made absolutely no sense. Uh, seeing how John Cena gets nothing from Rusev, and Rusev, uh, he already he's already established himself enough as a very very strong heel. He didn't really need a Cena rub at all. If anything, Ryback needs to get a rub from Rusev because he's 
been pushed so much as a monster heel. So things like that, I just never would understand how I can, you know, people like me and you think that's so logical. And it's not even fantasy, ridiculous, smart booking. It's just logical booking that would make sense across the board. <laughs> Ryback needs a push right now. You're giving him the Phoebe more chance. He's a baby face again. So why just have him, you know, muddle in the mid card still? It just doesn't make any sense to me. They still don't know what to do with that guy, and that's a, that's the a shame of it. With Rusev, they have the premium bad guy, and they put him against John Cena, which is kind of a stink because John Cena, what does he care about the U.S. championship? So you got uh why don't they put right back again? It just makes no sense. It's bad booking. But uh, they're going to put right back against Rollins, which isn't going to do anything for anybody. Because, I mean, he's, Rollins already has the green light in front of him to excel at the, try to be the main eventer. Right back is still calling for that. Right back and Rusev would make perfect total sense. But who am I to judge? Yeah, too much, too much like right, like I, like I, like I've said many, many times with with the WWE. Next, we get uh, yeah, Paige defeating Brie Bella. Yeah, you know that's that's just a way to, um, you know, get Paige some steam going into her match with uh, Nikki Bella. Brie, Brie Bella has absolutely no place in WWE right now. Just just period. I mean, you got Daniel Bryan, her husband, you know, being potentially in the main event of WrestleMania, and Brie Bella's a heel that's just really a lackey of her sister, Nikki. It just makes absolutely... It, it, it's just ridiculous to me that, I mean, what what could have been so good with the with the Brie Bella-Stephanie McMahon feud, it really led to Steph, to Brie Bella being Nikki's lackey. And it's, and it's really, really, really sad that they... It just seems like they have absolutely nothing going with her right now. They have nothing going on, period, in the Divas division at all. I mean, you got Natalia who can take on anybody. They don't utilize it. I mean, they made Paige Diva. She's got nothing anymore. That's in any good use. I just don't see what they're going to do with anything of it. And the Bellas are just, they're old news. The old Divas division is nothing but uh, reality TV. And I can Yeah, and they nothing. said something... Yeah, they, they said something very interesting uh, on on Raw. They said that I think it was last week they were they were saying it. It was either this week or last week, but they were saying that they were the, they've been the top divas for the past seven years, and that's there, there's some validity to that. However, what also has validity to it is that the divas division has been absolute trash, you know for. The better part of seven years, of course, you have Beth Phoenix at the time, Melina, um, you know Michelle McCool, Layla, you know th- those towards you know oh oh seven oh eight, you know the, those those names were were very prominent at that time, and it actually wasn't too bad at that time either. Um, it was it was actually pretty decent, but uh, uh, Mickey James was another person. That was a, a good name at that time, but you know, since the Nick, since since the 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 Nikki and, and Brie the Bellas came and, and really took charge, the Divas division have, have really tanked. And hearing that, hearing saying, you know, hearing them say that they've been the top Divas the past seven years, made me really 
maybe really kind of take that in and digest that and say, wait a minute. So essentially, the the Bella twins are kind of single handedly and <laughs> responsible for for the Divas Division tanking. But yeah, Tri- trivia. I got a few trivia questions for you. We also have we always have to have trivia. Uh, so what year did Bret Hart win his first WWE championship? What year did he win first WWE championship? That's for Derek. That's for you, sir. Uh, 1994. 93. 1993. 1993. No. That is absolutely incorrect because he beat Ric Flair, and Ric Flair won in 92. I said 93. So well, you were wrong. He, he won it in '92. That was his first year, 1992. No. Yep, that was. Bret Hart won the WWE Championship in 1992. That was, that was the first year that he won. He beat Ric Flair in 1992. That was his first. It was his first time that he won the World Championship. He could never beat Ric Flair. What's that? He could never. You beat said Ric he never Flair. beat Ric. I'm kidding. Okay. Now, Doggone it. Now, I'm off I, I my game. Saying, you are off Not your game. You are off, you are off your game, man. Because uh Rick Flair was actually the uh you know, one of the one of the well he was the first entrant in the nineteen ninety three Royal Rumble. So uh he had his he had his time of fame of in ninety two and then ninety three it just kind of uh kind of just you know, what dusted off in the sunset, feuding with Perfect. Loser leaves Raw match. I'll never forget that match. It was awesome. Rusev and Lana pay tribute, tribute to John Cena's career, and that leads up to a, you know, a scuffle between those two uh, in the uh, that that were was in the uh, the stage, and Rusev got the best of that. Uh, Bray Wyatt goes over Dolph Ziggler just to. Make him look better and 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 build him up as a, a opponent for Taker, which is more than it's just about a lock that we're going to see Wyatt Taker. We've already talked about that. It's last week as far as how our feelings are with that. Um, Derek wants to see another Taker match. Well, let me ask you this: Do you want the Taker match to be? If you have one, if Taker wrestled one more time, and only one more time. Who would it be against? If he, you know, his match at WrestleMania 31 was his last match, who would it be against? Uh, against Sting would be great, but, you know, seeing you know, the shaky Undertaker's in. Bray Wyatt's not a bad choice. Not the best choice. Maybe a rematch against Brock Lesnar, but, I mean, I wouldn't want to see the Undertaker be champion. So, I'm not too upset with, uh, with him and Bray Wyatt. I really, I'm, I'm really not. With Sting, that would be again. Yeah, he mentioned earlier the ultimate. But. Taker and Bray would have been perfect for last year. I, I think so. I think Taker and Bray would have been really, really good. It would have been a good way to really pump up uh, Bray's career. He was feuding against Kane, and in, the, in his debut and all in, in SummerSlam of 2013, it would have been perfect. 
he would feud against Kane for a little bit, and all of a sudden, you know, the the Wyatt family would have been attacking Kane. Taker would have came out, helped his brother. There you go. You got Bray Wyatt versus The Undertaker, and then you got Kane versus, you know, either Rowan or Harper. So, um, so that would have been perfect, but you tarnish it by having Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker now. I'm just like, I don't want to see anybody. Because you're right, Wyatt Taker isn't a bad match. It's not a bad match on paper at all. It's just at, at this point, for me, I'm just like, I don't want to see it because it's just a year too late and it has no, it has nothing. If Wyatt beats Taker, it does nothing. The last match we saw of The Undertaker was WrestleMania a year ago, and that's the stench that The Undertaker is leaving in the WWE from then. I mean, hey, listen, even this is the... This is even from a psychological perspective, and this is this is you know something that I'm very uh, abreast of and very equipped of and and, and uh, adept to, and and I just as far as psychology is concerned, yeah, a lot of times people, the last thing the people people remember is the thing that happened last, and that's that's the impression that you are going to leave, and in many many cases. And the last impression that The Undertaker uh, left was a stench that he had last year uh, at WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. And that's, he has the New Orleans stench. And it's carrying over to San Jose, California, which is the home of, of WrestleMania 31. So that's how I feel about it. I'm okay if he didn't ever step foot in, again in the WWE. Brock! Lesnar. Speaking of him, him and Heyman addressed uh, the fast lane situation. Um, really didn't do much at all. Um, it was good to see Brock Lesnar live, you know, personally, but yeah, it really didn't do much. Golden Stardust defeating, uh, l- uh, losing against some of my boys, the New Day. I'll tell you, man, I'm a New Day fan. So much. I'm, I'm so much of a New Day fan. That for all of you listening right now, if you still have Raw DVR'd, uh, there's someone, after the New Day dance, they they cut to Goldust making the face, and then they cut to the announcers. There's someone in the left corner on the floor. There's someone in the left corner dancing. Ladies and gentlemen, that was me. Chris Featherstone, host of the Pancakes and Power Slam show, feature columnist for Bleacher Report, dancing to the New Day theme song and dancing to it with glee and with amazement. I, I'm on the New Day bandwagon. I like the New Day, and I want to hold on. I'm doing it for the day. Uh, I'm a big fan of it, and so that's that's the way it is going to be. Triple H uh, segment, and we only have a couple minutes to talk about this. Unfortunately, and we'll talk about it more as WrestleMania uh, comes closer. But the, the Triple H segment, to me, there, you know, there were some okay parts about Raw, but this was the best part of Raw. I almost peed my pants because I was going to see a live, you know, there was some reports that Sting was going to be there. You know, I, I doubted them, and I should have doubted them because he didn't come. However, I was I was okay with the fact that I didn't see Sting, but I saw a another layer of an amazing build that's going on. The very fact 
this is as close as you can get to 1997, period. Because this the mystique, they're, they're protecting the Sting character so well, and I love it. We're not seeing him every week. Good. We, we haven't seen him talk at all. He, he, you know, he debuted, you know, three months ago, just about, and we have not seen him say a word. Perfect. Of course, he said some things, you know, beforehand, uh, WrestleMania press conference of last year, uh, of not WrestleMania, but WWE 2K. I understand all that. But as far as the character is concerned, haven't said a word. I absolutely love it. Perfect build. I, I just, I'm loving the build. No, the build is perfect. I mean, that's Sting. I mean, that's your boy. Um, with Triple H, there's nothing more that they could do for a WWE. It's good enough to have him on the mic and just keep building the mystique. Fastlane, they do have to have mic time for Sting. He's got to uh, build that WrestleMania feed that we have. Absolutely perfect build up to it. I love it. And what about the fake Sting that walked in the ring? The Triple H stumbled and fell backwards. Yes. Who was that? Was that Heath Baker? It was somebody. Real quick, trivia question. Who was nicknamed the Toast of the Coast? That's for you, Derek. Who was nicknamed the Toast of the Coast? Um, And as you think about that, I'm just going to zoom through Raw um, real quick. We had uh, Cesaro and Kidd uh, defeating the Usos and Naomi. Looks like, excuse me, Cesaro and Kidd defeating the Usos with Naomi. Um, Looks like that's setting up for a tag team title match in which probably the Usos will lose. Sin Cara defeating Damian Mizdow. He's going to have his breakaway moment. Sheamus promo. He's He'll be back. Axel losing to Ambrose. Looks like we'll have some Intercontinental Championship uh, stuff going on with that. Uh, and, then of course, you have uh, uh, Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan, uh, D- Bryan defeating uh, the, the five, Joe, Kane, Rollins, J&J Security. I actually made a video about how I felt about J&J Security now, uh, which I may post on Facebook. I, I've posted on, posted on my original Facebook page, but I may have posted on the Great Wrestling page. And then as far as what happened after Raw... Uh, check out the Crave Wrestling Facebook page. I have a video of what happened after Raw, uh, Daniel Bryan, and, and J&J Security. Real quick, uh, give me your three uh, Flavor of the Week, uh, three teams that you felt should have been world champions, world tag team champions, although they never were. I'm thinking about uh, we got uh, you know, the Mega Powers, trying put them in there or not. They didn't really have many title matches as a team outside of, like, big main events. But uh, they were somebody. also want to say the Powers of Pain with the uh, Warlord Barbarian. I mean, they were at the top of their game in the late 80s, early 90s. They definitely could have had that title ship. And uh, for a number, say, let's see, I'm thinking the, the Freebirds, a hiccup in the WWE. They could have been there for a lot longer for whatever reasons, contractual reasons, backstage politics, lingo. They were never there long enough, but uh, should have they been, they definitely would have been the tag team champions. That almost could have changed the format of tag team wrestling for a while in the WWE, but didn't happen, but that's my three. Absolutely. Good stuff. 
All right, real quick, my three uh, number th- uh, in order. Number three, the powers of pain. I, I totally agree. Warlord, barbarian, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, number two, the mega powers. I, I, I'm I'm with you on that. They they were just you know red hot for a second. I think having a title reign and uh, you know the, the the break that they had with the with the uh, um, uh, big boss man and Arcane, the Twin Towers. I think that could have been for a tag team title, and the Twin Towers could have won. Um, honorable mention, Crime Time for sure. Uh, I've made that very clear. And number one, the Rockers. They had an unofficial uh, reign, but they are never officially the tag team champions. And I definitely think that they should have been the tag team champions. They are probably the most popular uh, team that's never been tag team champions. So. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, 150 episodes. JTG, hone it down. Fantastic. Be sure to catch that book, Heat, when it comes out. Follow him at JTG1284. Until 151, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for just supporting us for 150 episodes. And 151 will be next week, and we'll just uh, be back, and we'll be uh, stronger and, and just amazing. Uh, Until next week, God bless. Goodbye.